2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle. Giroud! It's two!
2: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. For the week of the 7th of March 2016, I'm Russell Hargreaves. On the show this week, Mark Overmars is here to talk about his legendary Arsenal career. Francis Coughlin tells us about Mattia Flamini's influence on his career. And Adrian Clarke previews either the FA Cup quarterfinal clash against Watford or he previews the weekend game against West Bromwich Albion. More on that later. But let's kick off with Dan Roebuck and Nick Bromser for the weekend review. It's a welcome back to the podcast to the Match Day Show commentary team of Dan Roebuck and Nick Brunsack. Boys, how are we doing? Yeah, not bad. Thanks, Ross.
4: Not too bad. Could be better, I guess, for given the recent results. But, you know, we've got to look onwards and upwards. So, yeah, not too bad.
2: Good. Well, before we get your thoughts on all of that, let's have a little reminder have Arsenal gone on against Swansea City back on Wednesday night?
3: Now it's with Campbell, right-hand side, coming forward. Joel Campbell looking to run here at Ashley Williams. There he goes for the curler, strikes Leroy Fair, who is back. And now it's with Coquelin racing forward. Eventually finds Alexis, 25 yards out, chips it forward. Campbell with a shot! That is brilliant! Absolutely fantastic play from Arsenal. And Joel Campbell with a terrific finish to give Arsenal a deserved lead. You know, we always need more than one, you feel? Because you never know with any Premier League side as Cork comes forward here looking for Routledge who's away and scores. We will need another now because it's 1-1. Well Routledge was put through in between full back and center half and rifles home beyond Pedichek and it's Arsenal 1 Swansea 1 what we were just saying. The Icelander all the Swansea players positioned far post really no one near post Gomez looks to make a run. Jordi Amrani Amati's up from the back as well. Uh, A U is in there, Williams is up from the back as well, and it comes from Sigurdsson. Great delivery and he has been bundled home by Williams! Well, that's wicked delivery from Sigurdsson, and Swansea City players celebrate in front of their own supporters, bundled in by the skipper. He could hardly miss from a yard out, but you've got to credit the delivery because that was whipped in with pace. So
2: a 2-1 loss to the Swans, I was there watching that game as well, and I have to say, deeply, deeply frustrating. Nick, we'll, we'll start with your thoughts there if we can.
5: Yeah, it was a really disappointing evening for Arsenal. I thought actually they started the game really well. Lovely first goal, wasn't it? Joel Campbell, who maybe has been a little bit underused in recent weeks, taking it really well, but then... I think as soon as Swansea equalised, you could kind of see the the confidence go from Arsenal. And while they recovered that after the break, uh, for me the most disappointing facet of the whole evening was once it went to 2-1, Arsenal just never looked like levelling. And and that's a real shame, especially when you're going for the title. Just a bit of a lack of
2: cohesion was one of the things that really frustrated me, Dan, and certainly one or two people I was watching the game
6: with.
4: It's difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, talk about Joel Campbell, he was probably, well... Certainly, the best player on the pitch for many supporters that night, and when he was withdrawn what, just after the hour, as Nick pointed out, Arsenal never really got going sort of after that, and you never felt that the comeback was on. And you can spin it different ways. You can talk about the the fact that you know we hit the the woodwork on a number of occasions, but outside of that first half and first sort of half an hour before Outley equalised, um, you never felt that Arsenal was sort of going to be good enough to sort of turn it around which is a real shame because you looked at Swansea and you thought well there's a team ready for the taking and whichever way we spin this it was massively frustrating on the night and not just because of our result but of course what happened the previous night midweek and indeed to other teams around us on the same night as well and it it just makes it a massive missed opportunity really disappointing night.
2: So the pressure very much on at that point and very, very important, to put it mildly, to at least get a point out of the Northland and Derby. Nick, you had the pleasure, obviously, of being there. What a game. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. And Minimum requirement, I think, was a point, and Arsenal got it.
5: Yeah, they did, and, and they had to work really hard for that. I think you can look at it one, one of two ways, really. Uh, with 11 men, I thought Arsenal looked very comfortable, especially at the start of that second half. Right? I thought they were really good, and, and the Cockleland challenge changes everything, and within, what, seven or eight minutes, suddenly they're... They're 2-1 down and looking down the barrel a bit. So I thought the response after that was excellent. Um, and it would have been interesting, actually, had the game gone on five or ten minutes longer, who would have got that, that all-decisive fifth goal? Because I thought Arsenal actually ended the game uh, really well as well. But, you know, when you look at Leicester's result and, and them winning, it puts Arsenal eight points behind those. And I think that might be a little bit too much now.
2: How do you feel on that, Dan? It could have been ten points. It is, I say, just eight. But as Nick says, eight is still a lot. And Leicester don't really show any signs of cracking at the moment.
4: No, they don't, which is astonishing, isn't it? Because I still expect them to do so. The bookmakers don't now because they are favourites and they're bordering on even money, I think, to win the title, which is astonishing given, uh, you know, the stature of the club. Fair play to them. But, you know, we talk about Arsenal not looking like they were going to turn it around against Swansea. Nick pointed out there, the game was going on another 10 or 15 minutes at White Hart Lane, and you could see Arsenal winning the game. And you always felt, it's really odd, you always felt that Arsenal might get a chance, might get an opportunity to get an equaliser, but... You know, 2-1 down, you're happy to get a point. But at 1-0, at 11 versus 11, and as we dominated the game for the first 10 minutes, obviously, since the, the, until the Cockhine's sending off, in the second half, and you think there's only ever one winner, having been not particularly good for the opening 25 minutes. It was such a, a strange game in that respect, uh, at Tottenham. And I can't quite put my finger on uh, outside of the the red card, why Arsenal played so much better in the opening 10 minutes and in the last 10 or 15 minutes um, as to how they performed against Swansea. Was it that we were a bit better balanced? I- I'm not quite, co- I don't know. El seemed to give more energy alongside Cochrane uh, for certain aspects of the game. But I think we just remembered that we've got some quality players. Uh, Alexis, who've been struggling for goals, let's face it, and I hadn't scored in six or seven or whatever the stat was. Great to see him back on the score sheet. And, yeah, you come out of it thinking, well, 2-2, two, two, it's not too bad. It's the point after being down to 10 men and when they score two goals in three minutes uh, and, and the tails are up and Nick was sat just in front of me and you know he can testify the fact that the, the White Hart Lane was rocking to the Spurs beat then rather than anything Arsenal did. But at the end of it, you know, going to support supporters, I was walking down with incognito back towards Seven distance. We're sort of quite happy about everything, but it's such an odd one. Uh, you just hope that we can get inspired from the final 15 minutes of White Hart Lane from here
2: on in. So Dan's highlighted an energetic performance, among other things, from El Elneny. Who would be one or two of your players who really stood up and and impressed you and you feel can take this forward?
5: Uh, I would say David Ospina. I thought coming into the team, there'd been a lot of talk, especially in the press. Was he up to the the challenge? Could he do the job? And I think he answered that question emphatically. I I thought he was excellent. And we know he's a fantastic shot stopper. You know, that's never been the issue with him. and, And he made some... Particularly good saves from uh, Lamella, Eriksson, and that one from Kane, which somehow didn't go over the line. So he was a real plus point. I thought Aaron Ramsey was, was much improved from what he's been playing on, on that right-hand side, actually. And just touching on what Dan said there, I thought Mohamed Elneny had a, a good full Premier League debut as well. And he just seem to give Arsenal a bit more discipline, I think, in midfield. And that was important, particularly uh, at White Hart Lane, where I thought, as I said, he, he was uh, very encouraging. Mm. Yeah,
4: I see, just, just want to pick up on, on Ospina there, because this is it, isn't it? There's, there's an awful lot uh, of supporters out there, not Arsenal supporters necessarily, just football fans. They, they will not watch as much as Ospina, and someone like Nicholas, of course, you know, at, at London Colney. And they will just remember what happened in the Champions League earlier this season. If you take that out of his Arsenal TV, he's ain't done that much wrong. And suddenly, because we've lost Petr for a few weeks, three or four weeks, you know, we're thinking that's going to be a weak link. If Davidov Spina can play, as he did, as assured he did, not just the saves he made, but come out collecting the balls, catching confidently, you know, looking assured, that's huge, huge plus point from here on to the rest of the season. It's not a position we've got to be concerned about, I don't think. And that'll give the fans... And everybody a huge lift in that particular position. So, so I think that, that was key. Ramsey was an odd one because I, I thought, and I've got to be honest here, first half, first half an hour, he, I know he scored the goal, but he didn't look particularly good over on that right-hand side. I thought his positional discipline wasn't great. He gave the ball away a few times as well. And then when he played in central midfield again after... Uh, Cochrane got sent off. He seems to have grown in stature. He got on the ball a little bit more and he was defensively dogged and seems to get interested a little bit. So it's going to be fascinating to see exactly uh, what Arsene Wenger does with Ramsey because Cochrane's obviously going to miss a game. But it's going to be the whole game. And then I presume he's going to be back in. And, and, and I think the boss may well end up putting Ramsey over on that right-hand side again. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But I think, I think Ospina's the, the big one for me. Massive, massive plus point
2: let's finish then guys you mentioned it with that whole match of course FA Cup replay midweek action uh, Nick what do you think about a trip up to a side who obviously pushed Arsenal very close and got the draw in the first game Again, game we don't know quite what teams will be picked as both sides have got other fish to fry as well but still quite an interesting fixture
5: hopefully this yeah absolutely I'd, I'd expect Arsenal to make a few changes I think We'll see the likes of Alex Iwobi, who's featured almost exclusively in the FA Cup this season and played really well. I think he'll come in. I think for Ospina, it's a good opportunity to get more minutes under his belt. I wouldn't be surprised to see the likes of Flamini start Elneny as well. And It's interesting you touched on that. I think Hull have been excellent this season and they look like a team who will be playing in the Premier League uh, next year again as, as well. So it's certainly going to be difficult for Arsenal. But having not won in a while, I see this is a fantastic opportunity for them to try and get some confidence, try and get some momentum back uh, and get into the quarterfinal of a competition that uh, they love dearly.
2: Mark Overmars spent three seasons with Arsenal between 1997 and 2000. In 142 appearances he scored 41 times, including decisive goals in the 1997 FA Cup final and the title clincher against Everton at Highbury. He sat down with Arsenal media's Harry Hawke about his time with the Gunners.
7: I was lucky that uh, the boss, eh, Wenger, had the confidence in me. Because in Holland at that time, you know, I came back from that injury. Uh, yeah, the people say, ah oh, no, he's not good enough, you know, he still is not fit, his knee, and he's not at his level. And I was very happy that uh Wenger uh could pass that away and see the potential in, in, in myself as a player. And he saw it. And that's you know, it's a strength of him. Because that's how we get Jerry Henry. That's how we get Patrick Vieira. Before, you know, they become a world-class uh, player. And that to keep the confidence in me as a player, also when I was coming back from that injury. Yeah, that was uh, for me so important that I was 100% uh, uh, you know commitment to to show my best. And I think the year after that, I had my best year of my career and uh, but that's that's the that's where uh wenger had a great uh, uh yeah it was because yeah he took the gamble to take me. We had a team and where I was uh involved in you know we had the famous back four we always say back five because you had you had uh Winterburn uh, Keon, Adams, Lee Dixon and Steve Bolt. They always had back four, but, you know... Uh, uh, for me, Steve Bolt and Keon, you know, the, in the centre, the, the, they were uh, fantastic. But we had a fantastic mix. English players and some foreigners who deliver extra. So, uh, in that period, yeah, we were... We were playing and feeling like we, they were, we were unbeatable. That's you know that's what we had every week. When we went to, doesn't matter which team away, uh, we went uh, out of the coach uh, and said, okay, uh, today uh, uh, we have to destroy them and uh, we go back uh, 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 safely back to to London. And that's we also had at Highbury. We 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 had the feeling we we we. we We couldn't lose, and I think we didn't lose for one or one and a half year at home. Um, So it it was, yeah, the best period uh, of my life as a football player. Also, you know, as a family, it was. We also always played on Saturday afternoon. eh? I think two thirty or three thirty, and you know, then we know eh? if we have a good result. You know, we enjoy the evening. You want, when you stop as a football player, you want to achieve something. And to get the double and to go, you know, driving into the city with the big, uh, the big coach. How do you say that? Uh, the double, uh, double decker. Bus. Double decker, that's the same in Holland, double decker. Uh, and to see all the people, you know, to the excitement outside, that, that's, oh, that's a memory I would lo- love to return, uh, return back if we could turn back the time, um, but also to see the the club growing, you know, from a hibery 34,000, 34, 000, uh, 34 38. 38, yeah, because I always look in uh, when we did the warming up, eh, how many attend uh, people are there? 38,174, and the next uh, week 38,000. So to see the development from a big club to Massive club.
6: And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it?
2: Or Charlie George, who can hit him! Oh, look! We go. It's up for grabs now. On the 7th of March, 1984, Mathieu Flamley was born in the French city of Marseille. Mathieu started his career at his hometown club before signing for the Gunners in July 2004. Here he is talking about joining the club.
1: I mean, uh, of course, you know, when I arrived, I was, uh, I was very young. I was 20 years old, so I had a lot to learn. I had the opportunity to, to work with uh, great players, Dennis Bergkamp, Thierry, Patrick I mean, uh, for me, it was a great opportunity. I've learned a lot being here, going to Italy. So, of course, now it's a uh, different uh, different approach. In May 2008, Mathias signed a contract with AC Milan where
2: he played for five years before returning to the Emirates in 2013. He made his second debut for the club in their 1-0 win over North London derby rivals Tottenham, a day he will always remember.
1: Of course, for me, it was, uh, it was a very special day. First of all, you know, it was a derby and uh, playing for Arsenal, I mean, uh, I know what is the day be for the for the club, for the for the players, but for the fans too. So it was a very special day, and also because uh, I I was a bit nervous, being uh, a bit nervous, going back uh, in front of uh, our fans, hoping that they will uh, they will uh, accept me, and uh, and it was uh, it was an amazing amazing day because I really felt very close to the fans. I mean, the communion was just amazing, and uh, and we got a great result too. So I mean, everything was perfect. Flamini
2: added to his positive memories of playing Tottenham earlier this season when he scored a brace at White Hart Lane that has Arsenal knock Spurs out of the Capital One Cup with the second of those goals being
0: an absolute Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
7: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Absolute screamer. I suppose in one way, the fact they missed so many changes, does it matter so much But it goes to 120 because a lot of the players may not start as Flamini comes in! Oh, yes! Well, he gets one, and then he thumps home another. Two goals for Mattia Flamini on his return. And that one, well, that one is for the scrapbook. Well, that, he's showing people how to actually finish in this game. I mean, just out of nowhere, it falls to him here. There's, if anyone on the pitch shouldn't be doing that, that's him. But he's, he's got his eye on the ball, great skill. He's got, he's got pace on it, he's kept it down. Really, like you say, unlikely hero tonight for two goals.
2: To date, Mathieu has played 244 games for Arsenal, scoring 13 goals and winning the FA Cup on no less than three occasions. We'll have another history lesson next week, but next we'll talk to one of Mathieu's central midfield partners, that's Francis Coquelin. Francis Cochlein has returned to the engine room in the Arsenal midfield after missing three months of the season with injury. He sat down with Arsenal media's Karl Finocchiaro to talk about birthday boy Macchi
8: Flamini and his international aspirations. Francis, Macchi's birthday this week. How much of an influence has he been on you since his return, like in the dressing room and on the football side of things and also on the friendship personal side of things?
9: Well, I think he had a, a great influence on the group. Uh, as he said, you know, when he came back, he it uh, was like unfinished business. So uh, now, he, obviously, it would be nice for him to finish the business with a with a with a title and uh, and more. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, we can do that. And uh, now it's been great. You know, he, he hasn't played much in the first part of the season, but when he came in, uh, I think he's done uh, tremendously well. Uh, they got the result. He wasn't played much, and uh, straight away he was uh, he was up for the battle. And uh, yeah, I said I said it previously. I thought he was uh, he was great when he when he played. You do have a
8: couple of similar qualities. You and you and uh, Matcha. Do you seek him out for advice because of that?
9: Yeah, we always talk. You know, uh, you always as I said. You know, you always get advice from uh, from anyone. So yeah, obviously we have the same position as well. So make it easier. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, I think we've got a bit of similarities in our game. You know, we're we up for the battle, both of us. So uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to have players like that in a in a team and uh, you can count on anyone and to have players like that is really important.
8: Are you the kind of guy that does uh, seek out senior players, guys that have been around a bit and try and get a bit of information from them?
9: Yeah, obviously, uh, especially now we've got the we've got the chance to have a, a few legends to stick around as well. So um, they give you advices, and um, it's always nice to to take from them. You know, they they've been in a game for a long time, even if now they retired. So and um, yeah, even around us, the players, uh, if something goes wrong, you know, we can we can always chat. So no, it's it's good it's good to have um, advice from anyone.
8: Uh, Mathieu, at this age that you're at now, actually made his national team debut for France. Is the France thing something that you think about a lot, that you're determined to get in the the full France setup?
9: up? Uh, well, you know, I'm the kind of person that I really focus on the club first because uh, it's the club who's going to make you go to the national team if you have to go. So um, I think if I perform well at some point, if he has to come, he will come. Uh, I'm not really... Thinking about that too much because um, I know I've got loads of stuff to do here first, and then if he comes, uh, obviously I'll be I'll be happy. But um, first of all, I need to uh, I need to achieve what I want to achieve here. And uh,
8: Didier Deschamps been on the phone at all? I mean, how does it work?
9: No, uh, no, I haven't been on the phone to him. Basically, I think he gives a, a pre-list of uh, like uh, three, four players, and then he picks up his uh, twenty-three. So no, he, we haven't. I contact yet. Yeah. But yeah. Um, as I said, you know, if he, if he, when he comes, it, will, it means it, it will be the right time and I'll be on top of my game and uh, I deserved it. Um, well, you won't be
8: picked in the France side on your goal-scoring record, that's for yeah. sure, Francis. Uh, Mathieu has actually got himself a few crackers. Yeah. You haven't got anything. Please explain, what's the hold-up?
9: Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I think I could, uh, I, I could as well. I could could score a couple, it's just, uh, I think we've got so many players who can score goals that uh, makes me want to focus even more on my job defensively, so I'm not really thinking about offensively. Oh, come on, Francis. But I think I've got goals in me, because uh, when I was in Freiburg, uh, obviously my goal record wasn't great, but I scored, I scored. And uh, even uh, when I was in France, I scored. So yeah, I think I can score. I can score a goal, it's just not happening here because I'm so defensive. What, what what kind of goal is your first
8: goal going to be? Long-range power driver or are you going to bundle it in off your chest or something?
9: Well, um, I'd like it to be like a corner, the ball comes back, edge of the box and a nice half volley or something. I won't go top corner, but if it gets a flick and this goes in, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a celebration ready then? Nah, nah, I haven't got a go celebration, but I know when I even when the other player scores, I'm going crazy, so I'll probably go crazy as well, even more when I score.
2: Even despite those two yellow cards at the weekend, Francis's return to the first team could not have come at a better time, with the game stacking up across three competitions. That continues with an FA Cup quarterfinal clash against Watford on Sunday. We'll talk to Adrian Clarke about that next, or it could be a Premier League game against West Bromwich Albion come Saturday. Clarke will also help us preview that. Adrian Clarke is on Arsenal.com every Monday for the breakdown and joins me now. Clarkey. how are you?
6: I'm all right. Good job. I haven't got plans for the weekend, isn't it? Um, we don't know whether it's Saturday, Sunday, or, or whatever. Exactly. Do we? Exactly.
2: <laughs> Confusing one. So basically, it all depends what Arsenal do in their midweek FA Cup replay against Hull. Mm. If they win that and they're still in the FA Cup, obviously they've got Watford in the Cup again mm. at the weekend go out of the Cup Mm. than it is West Brom in the league. So that's the general picture. So what we're going to make you do, do a little bit differently, we're going to do a mini half and half of each. We're going to make you preview both, but not quite in as much meticulous detail as we normally would. But we will start with the more positive option, which is Arsenal are still in the Cup and therefore they've got Watford.
6: Yeah. Now that would be a good FA Cup tie. I really think uh, it would. Watford have had a great season, haven't they? Terrific Igalo, Dini, we know that they've taken the Premier League by storm, but it's still an FA Cup quarter final that Arsenal will be quite happy with. I suspect home to Watford, a team that aren't playing as well as they were earlier on in the campaign. So I would be pretty confident, I've got to say, of, of reaching another semi-final.
2: Very well-ordered team, aren't they? And very well-structured under an excellent manager in Kike Sanchez-Flores. I think he's done a a brilliant job. And and no surprise, he's got wonderful pedigree.
6: He's got great pedigree. He is a very smart manager, canny. And he's adapted to English football tremendously well. This is a guy that's used to managing in Spain, across the continent as well. Yet he has implemented quite a British style with Watford. Mm. I think he's recognised that the strengths of the players suit a four-four-two, and getting the ball up to Igalo and Dini as quickly as possible, playing down the centre. They haven't got a lot of quality in the wide areas, Watford, unlike a lot of Premier League sides. So most of what they do is funneled down the middle. That might seem predictable, but when you've got the combination that they've got, they're still very difficult to play against.
2: And obviously going very well in the league and effectively safe. Even now, I think we can we can safely say, sort of survival-wise, mm. there's no reason that they can't really target this opportunity, is there, in the FA Cup?
6: They might as well go for it. Mm. They really might. Uh, they're definitely safe. It's not a problem for them. Premier League survival, I think they've probably got enough points already. So that, yeah, they can unleash themselves on Arsenal to some degree. That's not really their way. I think, first and foremost, they're solid. They are they've got a strong back four. the centre halves will will be big and tough the full backs won't go crazy they will they will bomb on but they they also keep a discipline and in central midfield there's... A slight lack of creativity, but they've got good legs and they're very, very uh, industrious. So I think that breaking Watford down in this game might be the biggest challenge as well as containing the front two. I
2: suppose what I mean as well is they've got the option to field their strongest team, haven't they, if they want to?
6: Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? they? This is is an opportunity to get to Wembley Stadium for a semi-final, which Watford have never been in a semi-final at Wembley. I know they've been in the FA Cup final before, so that would be a first for them. They've got to go for it to some degree, but I think their game plan will be at first to contain and then to pick Arsenal off later in the game.
2: If he's fit, one of my favourite understated players of the season who's been a rock of Hargo's Harriers, my fantasy team, has been (laughs) Craig Cathcart. Incredibly cheap to buy in the fantasy league. OK, so a little injury niggle the last week or two. Yeah. But whenever he plays, normally doesn't concede. I think he's spot on. He
6: is a good player. He's Mr. Reliable, isn't he? Um, well, let's hope that you don't keep a clean sheet <laughs> this weekend. Um, he's good. But what I would say about Cathcart is that, that he, he isn't the most mobile. And when you've had strikers that have had sharp movement, it's caused him problems. And I'm eyeing up Danny Welbeck now because he's the man in possession of the shirt. Welbeck against Cathcart. I'm back in Welbeck all day Uh long.
2: So I've picked your head-to-head inadvertently (laughs) by bringing him up. We have indeed. Okay, so in a sentence, Adrian, if it is indeed the FA Cup this weekend and Watford, how do you beat the Hornets?
6: You beat the Hornets by screening the service into Igalo and Dini, stifling those two and then punishing them down the flanks. That's where Watford are the weakest. Get down the side, we will score goals in this game.
2: So we hope the Gunners will be a game away from a return to Wembley for the semi-finals by mm. that point. Perish the thought they're not. <laughs> it would be a change of weekend date, and it would be West Bromwich Albion in the Barclays Premier League. Should we start with your wider views there? Because the Baggies have picked up some form,
6: haven't they? They have picked up some form. I'm not a huge fan of the way they play. Well, I'm not a fan at all, actually. And, um, but they in a, the last couple of weeks, weirdly, Tony Pulis has almost played with... Gay-abandoned by his standards in terms of unleashing Berahino, Sessegnon and Rondon. Whereas Sessegnon and Berahino have, for the most part, been bit-part players on the bench this season. They're dull to watch. And if they come to Emirates <laughs> Stadium, they will try and bore us. They will. I, I, I don't believe that Tony Pulis will send his team out here at Emirates Stadium and, and, and try for anything other than either a 0-0 draw or to nick it one nil on the break. It's just his way.
2: It is, but it's also been, as we just touched on there, of late relative, relatively effective. Obviously, the Man U game, mm-hmm. the draw with Leicester, and that was all coming off an incredibly tough run. And with all, of course, the issues within the crowd, the infighting, we won't necessarily go into the brunt no. affair, but things were falling apart there at one but point.
6: It looked like Pulis might even lose his job, but no, they have thrown caution to the wind by their standards and improved. So fair, fair play to them for that. I just don't believe they'll come to the Emirates and maintain that. Mm. I just can only see a 4-5-1 formation from West Bromwich. But, no, they've shown character and they're not a bad side. We know that. We went to the Hawthorns and didn't play brilliantly and we allowed the baggies to really get at us. And they got under our skin and they picked us off from a set piece, which is obviously their forte. I feel that Ben Foster
2: coming back in goal is an improvement. I just think he's a bit more of a, a solid all-round keeper and then that just gives a little bit more confidence to the rest of those in front of him.
6: Possibly. I don't think there's a great deal between him and my hero. I'm not Foster's biggest fan because he turned his back on England. Uh, so I, my, my view is skewed. He didn't want to be uh, a bit part player. He didn't want to be a squad man for England. I didn't like that. So I always look at him with more critical <laughs> eyes, unfortunately. Um, that's, just, that's just a personal thing. Uh, they've got a very good defence. They are strong in terms of their organisation. Big guys all over the pitch. So hoisting a load of high crosses into the box isn't the best policy against West Bromwich Albion. It's all about dragging those guys, and that's easier said than done, dragging them forward, to the sides and opening up little gaps in between. That's the trick to beating West Bromwich Albion, who don't concede a lot of goals for a team that, that are quite small in this division.
2: And who knows if he'll start, come off the bench, be in the squad, be brilliant, be terrible. Saido Berahino is is a real soap opera in himself, isn't he?
6: Oh, yeah. If he plays, then I'm slightly more nervous. If he doesn't, I'm OK with that. Because Rondon's in good form and he is in the kind of form where he, if he gets half a chance, he might tuck it away. But for me, Berahino is... By some distance, their best player. It's unbelievable that he's found himself as a sub for most of his campaign. If he features, found
2: himself. I think he's the key way well, to describe. Yeah, it maybe as maybe well, maybe there are issues yeah. there.
6: We don't we don't know the ins and outs of in terms of his attitude. But it
2: seems better now, doesn't it? It seems that most of that has been reconciled.
6: Definitely, is... yeah, and it does for the time being. Well, they have to, They had to just stay up. They needed him. Um, but we're, if he features, will he feature wide? Maybe and. That's not his best position. No. His best position is as part of a front two. Off a front, front man. Yeah, off yeah. a front man. That is Berahino. If he plays in a front two, he will score 15 to 20 league goals a season. Definitely. But West Brom will not play with the front two at Emirates. If they do, well, I'll be amazed. Yeah, I'm not going to dare myself to do anything, just in case. But I'll be very, very surprised.
2: So, your key battle, your key head-to-head oh, battle I, grounds. Yeah,
6: it's very, very interesting. Um, I would say it would have to be... Up front again, really, because it's it's, uh, West Bromwich Albion's key strength is in the centre-half department. So it is all about... Actually, I will go with Mesut Ozil against the guy that marks him. Uh, Claudio Jakob is the most likely. Ozil v Jakob. Because if Ozil can get into the spaces behind the centre-backs, make runs in beyond them, and isn't tracked by Jakob, that is where we can really get ourselves in, in business in this game. If we play in front of West Bromwich Albion, if Ozil stands still too much and allows himself to be marked by Jakob, then it could become a long afternoon.
2: And in a sentence, if indeed it is the Premier League game at the weekend, how do Arsenal beat West Bromwich?
6: You, you, beat, you beat West Bromwich Albion by matching them in terms of their aggression and then just attacking them at will. But not by floating crosses into the box. It's all about slipping balls down the side, using pace and skill to beat them, because that is their weakness.
2: Clarky, thank you very much for that double extended hypothetical stint. We
6: enjoyed it. Don't get double the cash? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> sorry, mate. Sorry about
2: that. And, of course, you can join the Matchday Show team on Arsenal.com every weekend. That's full-time on this week's show. Our thanks to Francis Cochland, Mark Overmark, Dan Roebuck, Nick Brumsack, and Adrian Clark for their contributions today. Remember, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and then you'll never miss another new show. We're back on Monday the 14th of March, until then it's bye for now and come on, you got us.
3: Thanks for listening, and remember you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on Arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast.
10: Target.